Okay, the next speaker is Dr. Urso. And Dr. Urso is one of the key uh, individuals who um, is organizing these regional events. He's, um, I think he's very passionate about spreading the word, and not only that, but bringing it to your local doctors so that these guys aren't stretched thin trying to, you know, get it to everybody. We need to have more recruits to um, help this effort. Um, he is an ophthalmologist, and he's famous uh, in the medical circles for inventing a wound healing drug. He uh, is an intellectual with a noble character. He... He loves discussing pharmacology, and he'll talk drugs and pharmacology all day long, but um, he never loses sight of the human aspect of patient care, and um, his integrity is a welcome quality in a world of medicine that's been turned upside down. Thank you, Thank you Dr. Thank you. Yeah, it's always great to follow Peter. We've been doing this a while, though. We've done this in the Texas Senate and a few other places. Lots of calls online, so I'm kind of used to it. Um, but I'm so thankful to be here. Uh, as we see, we're still in freedom. We're in Texas. You know, we see that. So I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of the doctors, probably half the doctors in the country that are treating COVID are from Texas. So, and I want to say, God willing, I'm going to stay free. And I want you to think about that because I'm going to pose a question to you. I was kind of listening to some of the things before I get into the details of this talk. Is, you know, the question is, are you going to be coerced? Are you going to be coerced? Are you going to stand for your children, your grandchildren? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're going to have to do. I'll tell you right now, you saw that in, uh, I'm getting a little echo. You guys hear that? Yeah. Closer? How's that? Uh, okay, so, so I think when we go forward from here, one of the big things we have to think about is, are we going to do something about it? Are we going to do something about it? Because let me tell you this, they're not going to stop. This is not the stop. They're one shot, another shot, another shot. As you just heard, in Canada, they bought shots for the next four years. In other countries, they're buying shots. They're buying shots, and you're going to have to sign up for them. And if you don't, Something's going to happen. I don't know what, but something's going to happen. It's not going to be good. They're going to come, all right, and they're going to get us work, school, travel. They don't want us to go to work, school, or travel without these shots in us. So I want everybody to be thinking about that because as we go forward, you're going to have to stand up. And I actually urge you all in your local community, you have the grassroots effort here, and that's a big thing. But I'm telling you, if you have a big employer, organize around that big employer. If you have a big employer somewhere here, Get a group together and start organizing around that employer because they are going to mandate at some point, right? And if you have schools, don't count on the school board. I can tell you that's not going to work. You can't count on those organizations. All the things that we hold dear, all the things that we thought are legislators, some are great. We've got Bob Hall. Bob, where are you? Bob. Bob, Bob should be the next governor, honestly. <laughs> Bob, stand up for everybody, please. Come on. Yes, thank you. Bob's been a true hero through this whole thing. I mean, when we started up last year, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but 
when it was March last year, we were, Peter and I and others, we, were, we thought it was normal medicine at first. And we we're going to come together, we're going to work together uh, or, or, or February, March, and we thought things were going to be normal. We'd get together and we'd figure this thing out together. And then they told us in March, right, this was the first sign that I thought something was weird. Because I already had, I told my guys in my clinic, I know this will sound funny, but in like March 10th, I said, you know, we've got to end this pandemic. I said, those are like eight drugs. And I'm going to get the word out. This isn't that going to be that hard. This is just a coronavirus. And I thought, we've got a good eight things that I found that will work against this coronavirus. It said my, my, probably the area I'm pretty strong in, core competency is uh, drug development, drug design. And I felt like we didn't need to go in a, a new direction. And for those who don't know, Remdesivir, you heard Dr. Artis talk about it today. It's a horrible drug for a lot of ways. All right, I want to kind of talk about it before I get in the slides. Why is it bad? Because the virus really doesn't replicate past day eight. So how could it work in the hospital at day 20? You guys know that? The virus doesn't replicate. It's found, so the culturing of the virus has occurred. And last year, they went up to day eight, and they were able to culture virus. But the average, all the virus is dead about eight, day six. So remdesivir can't possibly work, and yet they're giving it. I, I consider that criminal. If you're a doctor, and you're given a drug that can't possibly work, that's unconscionable. Right? That's what's happening. And I'll, I'll, let, me, let me be fair about this. A lot of the doctors don't know what I just told you. All right? They actually don't know that. Respiratory viruses die very quickly. This one people did check, and they found a day eight. I'm sure if you cultured 1,000 people, you'd find a few that went to day 10. And most of the time with respiratory viruses, we give about a 10-day window. All right? But this is no different. So giving remdesivir is insane at day 15 and 20. It can't possibly work, right? So you shouldn't get it for two reasons. One, uh, remdesivir, it kills viruses. It repli kills the replication cycle. It kills viruses, kills bacteria, kills cancer cells, and it kills your cells. So any cell that's replicating, it's not, it's not real specific. It's slightly specific to the viruses, but not really. So it actually has a chance to kill cells that are replicating. So we should never be giving it to cells that aren't replicating like in the virus. So this is what I'm talking about. This is the truth, all right? This is just a, a fact. And, and this is one of those things that gets hidden in all the messages. Um, I have a pointer. Uh, let me see if I can get forward. So, okay, our organization called globalcovidsummit.org, if you go to there, you'll see we have uh, 14,000 docs that have signed on a document, including everyone here, I believe. And that, that document is a way for us to take a stand together because we're getting picked off. You know, you can think of uh, Pierre Corey and, and Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone as like, if you're a sports fan, like Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and, you know, big, I mean, they're the big three. You know, they're, they're amazing physicians. They were amazing scientists. Uh, Peter, I don't know anybody, any, I don't know any tw 20 doctors who've written as much as Peter has. So, I mean, I'm not joking about it. It's like 800 papers. And I was at MD Anderson, and most of the people there that were really excellent had maybe one or 200. And what you're seeing is an attack on them because they're, 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 they're unassailable. They're, they're, their academic resume is unassailable. So they're attacking them. And so we formed groups, in a sense. We've got Truth for Health. We've got the Global COVID Summit, America's Frontline Doctors. We're trying to group together so we can be stronger together. Right? And that's what we need you to do. Same thing. If you come in 
by alone, you're an ant. But if you're if it not, you're an ant pile or a lone bee. You're a beehive. As a beehive, you're stronger. You're not strong by yourself. So you need to organize together. That's really important. If we get one thing out of this whole meeting, that's the thing you need to do. Because they're not going to stop. Right? They're coming. They're locking down the whole world. They're going to try to lock down Texas. They're waiting on Texas. You know why they're waiting on Texas. All right? Because they know we'll be, that's not going to happen here very easily. Texans won't put up with that. All right? So... Okay, so let me see. So here's the, here's the document, um, basically, that we drafted that basically talks about three points. Now, we believe in more, but it's hard. If you go for everything, you sometimes get nothing. So we want to go to legislatures and other people that can help us so we can get something. And so we, the core things are do not vaccinate our children. Do not. Okay? You guys think we should vaccinate our children? No. All right, thank you. If you're naturally immune, how many people are naturally immune here? All right. They're trying to try to vaccinate us. That makes zero sense. As you just heard, they just admitted that there's not a single person that they know of that was naturally immune that then transmitted the virus to someone else. Right? And then third point we have... um, Third point we have is that we want physicians to be able to treat... Right? Should we? So, does it make any sense to say steroids? So, we're talking about the disease, right? It's very simple: the disease, inflammation, and blood clots. Right? Nobody dies in the first week. Do you, does anybody know anybody who died in the first week from the vaccine? Maybe, but how about from the virus? No one. There's no one that I know of. People don't die from the from the virus infection. They die from inflammation, the cytokine storm. I don't have any more time left. All right, thanks. <laughs> so, so, um, so and I'll say this. So we're dealing with, we've got sort of cars and car parts, the virus, viral particles. People die from the viral particles. They die from inflammation. They die from blood clotting. So we need, how can it make sense not to use antithrombotics, aspirin, Eliquis, Xarelto, all these things to prevent blood clots, right? That makes sense as an outpatient, correct? Yeah, and then what about inflammation? We have lots of drugs for that, right? Now, I wanna, I'm going to move forward a little bit. So this is a great quote because, as, as Peter just said, we know they're lying. They know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. We know they know that we know that they're lying, but they're still lying. <laughs> and this is what we have to deal with. So let me just say, what he just said about the uh, Trusted News Initiative and all these things, it's hard. I can't imagine, and I know all my fellow doctors here can't imagine that we could sit up here and look you in the eye and tell you that these organizations are not truthful. It's a shock to me. I mean, it's a shock. If you told me 20 years ago I was going to be standing up here talking about this, I would have said, what planet are you on, you know? And this is what I'm saying. The CDC, the FDA, and the NIH, the NIH is still saying there's no early treatment for except monoclonal antibodies, which we like. But this, they're still saying that to this day. Medical journals, they're, they're, they're creating, they're creating um, uh, a place where we can't, if we publish something, um, it gets retracted. So uh, 
Dr. Rose and Dr. McCullough published a really great paper on myocarditis, and it had to be retracted to get it resubmitted. Lawsuit. All right, well, we're fighting. So he put a great paper out there, um, and it got retracted for no reason other than they didn't like the, the thing that was said, which was the truth, which was myocarditis is real. Vaccinated patients suffer from myocarditis. The myocarditis is, is deep and profound, much more than it is from the regular virus. And this is just truth. Does anybody here want truth? That's what we're giving you. So I want you to know this is the most important thing. We arm with the truth. All right, armed with the truth, then we need courage, right? Does anybody here have courage? Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. All right, so if we go forward, right, we have, we've, if we, we have to deal, I, I left one thing out, hospitals, even insurers. So we're getting people coming back and telling us, oh, you wrote for ivermectin, we're going to kick you off of, well, I won't say Blue Cross Blue Shield, but they actually went after a few doctors, so I'm going to say it. I don't know if they're going to get kicked off, but because they wrote for ivermectin, they're getting, they're getting looked at. They're going to get kicked off the insurance. Hospitals are kicking people out. Um, Pierre Corey lost his third job. He's fantastic ICU, one of the top people in the country. He lost his job because of what he's doing here. Um, pharmacies won't fill our prescriptions. If you're a pharmacist, please, please consider what we're trying to do. We're trying to save lives. We're trying to save lives. Um, medical schools and medical associations. We had this new board came out, the Federal Association of state medical boards out of nowhere it came out of nowhere and they are urging they are they report i think i'm on a bunch of places where they report me to to make a complaint against me so they are making complaints they're just trying to make complaints and then the board is obligated to look into those complaints but in texas we have senator bob hall and, and so those complaints don't go very far Sorry, Bob. <laughs> All right, so you guys know about the Lancet study, right? The Harvard Lancet study. You know that this is the absolute epitome of lying and misinformation, right? But these are our premier organizations. Harvard, Lancet, complete fabrication. That's how deep this runs, right? This is, this is, not a, this is a real thing. They actually... Put this out there, 93,000 patients, 671 hospitals, six continents. The data was completely fabricated for what it worth. The guy who collected the data had a topless dancer and a, and a science fiction writer in his team. There's four doctors there, right? It's disgusting. So they not only lie, they're just disgusting people. And this is who we're up against. We're up against evil. If you don't think it, the fact that I'm saying that is crazy. You're up against evil, and we're going to stamp out evil. So we'll put uh, Klaus Schwab on notice. Anybody know Klaus Schwab? Great Reset. Let's get a tagline. What can we say back? Great Reset? What's some other tagline? Anybody have a good, good comeback for that? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll think about it. Um, and so sometimes the data, like if you just take the data and hold the data, you can create a, a graph like this to look like, in a sense, there's something going on. It's a 15 deaths per 100K straight line data, but you hold the data for a week or two and you get this spike in the vaccine. This is kind of stuff that's happening. And then as I said, we have trusted network of people um, that we know are great scientists and they have, you know, they've, they've tried it out, 
you know, everyone they can to kind of to make an influence our children. They're coming after our children. They want our children. They want our future. That's what they want. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to digress a little bit. Um, do masks work? Oh, no, masks can work. Okay? So <laughs> there are masks. R99, R100, Pappers, hazmat suits, right? I mean, they can work, right? Does a diaper work? No, no. All right. Does a bathing suit work? Does the N95 work? The answer is no. This doesn't work. There's a lot of studies have been done. Dennis Rancourt did a great job. If you want to read this, Dennis did a great job summarizing all this data. These are the two studies where he's kind of laid it all out. And overall, there's like somewhere between 12 and 14 randomized controlled trials. Zero, and that's N95. N stands for non-oil resistant. 95 stands for 95% airborne particles. That stands for 0% of viruses, all right? They don't work for a lot of reasons, all right? The, the, the fact of the matter is, we want, I wish they would work, we'd be over this, this and, you know, it'd be nice if it worked, right? Because we'd be, we'd be out of this last, last year. But unfortunately, they don't. And I'm, I'm not trying to knock people who wear them because a lot of people are super scared. We all know that. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't go out and, and, and fight with them. But really, it's, to arrest people for wearing a mask makes no sense. The data, it's not good data. So it's not good data. This is, we need to be data-driven, right? So the data's on your side, Okay. The data is on your side. If anybody needs help with school boards, reach out to us and we'll help you. And here's last year's study, a big Danish study. In the midst of the, uh, the pandemic, masks did not work. So what about lockdowns? Locking down healthy people. Does anybody think locking down healthy people has ever been successful? Locking down healthy people, 87 regions of the world had no effect on death rates, locking down healthy people. Actually, on, on COVID deaths, but actually on overall deaths, it looks like when you lock people down, they get depressed. You know, does anybody have a loved one that was in a nursing home last year? Yeah, it was sad, right? So, yeah, my dad had his 90th birthday and he was sitting outside and we sang to him outside, you know, from the window. It was ridiculous. Then he died in the hospital with COVID. So it's the kind of thing where we look at this and we know that this is not right. Something is wrong with the world when you can't go and see your loved one in the, ho in the nursing home. You know, we, should, we cannot, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, we, we've gotta fight those things. Like Peter just said, we've gotta stand up and fight that starting now. It's not right. We've gotta be able to get in hospitals, care for our loved ones, care for our loved ones in the, in the nursing homes. And that's something we, we don't have to wait on that. We should really push that forward, push the narrative. Um, you know, don't get arrested, but push the narrative. <laughs> so what about, uh, um, medications, all right? So you heard me talk about hydroxychloroquine, right? That it was that study. So hydroxychloroquine was killing people, right? Everyone knows it, was, it kills a lot of people, right? We know that? Okay. So this is my favorite. Ryan, should I tell him the side effects? Yeah, I'll tell you the side effects of hydroxychloroquine. Who wants to hear the side effects of hydroxychloroquine? Okay, good. All right. It lowers the glucose. It lowers the hemoglobin A1C. It lowers the cholesterol. It lowers all the inflammatory markers, D-dimer, sed rate, C-reactive protein. It lowers the risk for stroke, lowers the risk for heart attack, lowers the risk for pulmonary embolus, decreases chronic kidney disease, improves atherosclerosis, improves your bone health, decreases atherosclerosis, improves your bone health. And there are now 96 clinical trials 
on clinicaltrials.gov, if you want to pull out your phones, clinicaltrials.gov, put hydroxychloroquine and, and, hydrox and cancer, and you'll find 96 trials going on for its use in autophagy inhibition, autophagy inhibition for metastasis. So those are the side effects. Anybody want to try it, maybe? Okay. And you heard all the stuff about ivermectin. You know, it's basically one of those drugs that's been one of the world's most safe medicines. I, we can barely find a, a single person who's died of, of, of ivermectin. I, I think it, it's less than 10 out of the 3 billion prescriptions that actually probably succumb to that, that, that drug. I mean, it's an incredibly safe drug. Anyway, the point of being is on early treatment, we've got a lot of interesting things. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, um, azithromycin, prednisone, ciproheptadine, famotidine, singular, monoclast, um, they, and phenofibrate and colchicine, they all decrease inflammation. All those things I just mentioned decrease inflammation. This is an inflammatory disease. That's why these drugs work. Okay? And then we've got stuff that affects the virus early on if you get it. Dutasteride. Phenofibrate does. Um, vitamin D is helpful in many ways. My favorite three vitamins are vitamin D, vitamin D, and vitamin D. Um, but all these things, some of these affect blood clotting, right? So we have a lot of different weapons. Uh, Dr. McCullough has labeled it um, sequential multidrug cocktail. And it, what that means is we, we, we use different things. Like if we have chemotherapy, if you ever know anybody who has chemotherapy, we don't just use one thing. So we found with Delta, we had to add more stuff. The, the viral loads were higher, and we really had to add more things in. And this is kind of a, a working... Uh, thing of what we've done. As I talked about already, the virus, the viral particles, all that, that's all important in how we analyze what's happening. We don't use remdesivir. Now they're going to come out with another, molnupiravir, they're going to use a protease inhibitor. These are drugs, these, these actually come from old drug lines, from HIV and cancer. And these drugs are well known to all of us. They're not new, they just add a little, you know, draw a little happy face on them and they, and they put them back out there. So these are not, these are, this is not great science that they're putting out there. They're basically repackaging things, repackaging things in a way that to us looks like great science. It's not great science. It's not great. They're not very creative. They're not. I'm sorry to say, but they're not creative. And so this is why this is creative, all right? Those are not creative because those cells, those nucleoside analogs kill viruses, bacteria, cancer cells, and you. They kill everything, okay? They kill, they kill those things a little faster than they kill us. That's why you see people that have chemotherapy, um, they lose their hair, skin, and nails because they're killing the things that are replicating quickly. Oh, so the vaccine does provide immunity. Does <laughs> so everybody see? So it does provide immunity. So anybody asks you if, the, if it provides immunity, it does. So don't let them fool you. Um, so does it, where are the variants coming from? They're from, from the vax people, Correct. Or they're coming from the unvaxxed. Who's going to... You guys actually know that, or are you just saying that? Okay. So, so when you give a drug, and it's very narrow, right? And we do this in the ICUs and in the hospitals. When you give a drug, it, things can escape around it. In the middle of a pandemic, you have high viral loads, and a lot of things have a chance to replicate, and maybe a mutant or two comes through and gets around the, the antibodies, Right? And that's what's happening. So as the vaccination program goes on and you get up to a level, I know, somewhere around 30, 40% or something, as that vaccine starts penetrating through the population, these mutations start arising. 
And this is normal. We should anticipate it. And I can tell you this. When you talk about lipid nanoparticles, all right, when you talk about that, we know, I always say they're like garlic. They go everywhere, all right? That's important to know. Because if you wonder why people with vaccine injury have so many symptoms, it's because the lipid nanoparticles are very slippery. It can get through tight junctions. It can get through the brain. It can get into the bone marrow, all right? It can get to the reproductive organs. It can get into a lot of places. And I'm going to tell you that um, this is important because, as we said, I heard somebody say later, earlier, Bruce Patterson found this. Uh, still, You're still having spike around for a long time, months, months, 12 months, maybe even up to 15. So the, the, the vaccine and people who actually got the virus, these things can persist for quite a while. The problem with the vaccine is it's in, your, it's in other organs. The virus has a hard time getting to the brain. The virus has a hard time getting to reproductive organs. The virus has a hard time getting to the myocardium. But with these tight junctions being opened up by the lipid nanoparticles slipping through, the, virus, the vaccine gets in places that the virus can't get to as well. That's a very important concept. Um, so we talked about the immune escape. Actually, this paper, which talks about immune escape, recommends more vaccination at the end. The conclusion is more vaccination to cure it. So this is nonsense because we're vaccinating and we will create, we will accelerate the disease if we keep vaccinating into this pandemic. If we keep vaccinating, we will accelerate the process as we go forward. And you heard it before, Dr. Cole talked about T cells and it's basically the, the vaccines getting to the, into the nucleus and it's creating damage to the DNA repair, which affects both T and, T, T and B cell immunity. It's a big deal. It's like, you know, like Dr. McCullough said, it's like the spike protein spiky, like HIV, and it's affecting immunity, all right? So this is, our, this is where we're going. We're going th with a vaccine that's actually affecting our immune system. It's affecting P53 and other tumor suppressor genes. My background's in oncology. That's not a good thing. If you affect those tumor suppressor genes, it won't be shocking to see increased tumors. We're, we're starting to collate. There's 300,000 patients that come through my clinic every year. We're starting to collate the data to see how many people have had Bell's, Bell's palsy, how many people have had shingles. We're looking to see that what we're seeing in the vaccine injured, a real rise in herpes virus family, Epstein-Barr, shingles, simplex. Um, we're seeing these things rise up. And people are feeling bad after a vaccine. That may be their problem. And so that needs to be looked at. And we've looked at it last Monday, not this Monday, but last Monday. I had three patients that came in with two with Epstein-Barr and one the herpes simplex reactivation by, 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 by lab tests. And clinically, they were symptomatic. Now, here's a nice thing that shows you um, the SARS infection rates are higher among the fully vaccinated in every group over age 30. So we're starting to see that it's breaking through. It's not stopping infection. It's not stopping transmission. So how can it create safe workplaces and safe schools? It can't. I heard somebody say, Dr. McCullough said it was helping with deaths. Um, here's, some, here's some new data that I think will coincide with what he said after. It only lasts for a very short period of time, very short period of time. And we're seeing here like 83% of people, this is in um, England, 83% of the people who died were vaccinated. Think about that. Is that on the regular news? 
it's it's 99% right are are unvaxed right this is the garbage that they're telling us so what's neat about england has real granular data do we keep granular data here in the cdc what what did they do they stopped tracking in may you guys know that they stopped tracking the data so we don't have track data we just have hey let's take a look at death certificates and see what we find and let's ask the hospitals um uh what they think so they're just basically collecting a little data here and there, and then they throw out something and say, How, what the, do you guys see the study? 20 times more people are dying here in Texas that are vaccinated or something. You see that? Anybody see that? That's garbage data. That's not a study. It's, not, it's completely unpair. If you try to send it to a peer review, it should be laughed at. And then, so, again, hard no on kids, all right? Your grandkids kids we can't let this happen it's up to us to stop it we have to stop it they're, they're going to hurt our kids they're going to take our future away all right and you, there's a good slide if you want to read it but there's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't allow it and the least of all is is this right here's the, the you guys have probably seen this here's the the pfizer biodistribution study anybody seen this before so this shows you that at 48 hours a tremendous amount of this vaccine is, uh, no, lipid nanoparticle, because uh, you know, they just looked at the lipid nanoparticle. It's carrying the spike protein normally. But the lipid nanoparticle goes to the ovaries and pre preferentially goes to the ovaries, adrenal glands and other, other things. But this is what we're seeing. This is very dangerous. This is very dangerous. So this is why, you know, for the most part, we've really got to stop this. And maybe that was Klaus Schwab there sending a sign to me. <laughs> so, so... <laughs> But are you coming to get me? She's coming to get me. It's okay. Can I go two more minutes? You guys okay with that? Okay. All right. All right. So um, we see here that there's a big, uh, you, you see here where there, the problems in the, if, if I could point down the bottom, there's six times more people that dropped out of the protocol in the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. This isn't the kids. a really small study. A completely, if you ever get a chance, go online, listen to David Weissman. David Weissman talk about this. He's done a lot of, of science review, a lot like Dr. McCullough, but he's a PhD, so that's all he does. So um, it, it's very valuable to listen to what he has to say about the, the study on children. David Weissman, W-I-S-E-M-A-N. Um, and children, you can see, now, is this an emergency in kids? This is how many kids are dying of COVID. You know, it's around 400 or so. How many of those actually died with COVID? How many of COVID? It's almost zero that died of COVID. All those kids had comorbidities. So when we look at this age group, right, it's 0 0.1 per 100,000. 0 0.1 per 100,000 in kids 5 to 11. We have 28 million kids 5 to 11. So if it goes perfect, we save 28 kids. But how many kids have had COVID already? And they, you do know they kept the COVID recovered out of the studies, right? They didn't put any... So for anybody who knows, if you had COVID already, you're kept out of the study. But are they trying to screen those kids? No, they're not. They're going to they're gonna jab them regardless. Those are the kids that are going to have the worst results because they have, you retain, you heard me say, they retain an antigenic fingerprint of that virus for months, maybe 10, 12, 15 months. That means they're going to have a lot of circulating antibodies. They're young. They're, they're very vigorous. You're going to produce a lot of spike protein because their cells are really healthy. It's going to be a massive war, and that's... It's not a good thing. So, again, here's the numbers. So at this point in this time, it's a few months ago, it was under 400. 
Um, you see, 50,000 children had died in the country. And, you know, it was a, a small percentage of the kids died of COVID. Um, Talking about myocarditis, um, I should have probably taught, let Dr. McCullough probably talk on this, but I'm, I'm going to uh, interject a little bit. What happens is these kids with the vaccine, especially these kids that are exercising, exercise can loosen up tight junctions in some, in some organs. And these vaccines are getting through and getting through the peri, peri, to the pericytes where there's a lot of ACE2. Endothelial cells don't have a lot of ACE2 on them. And that's why you're not seeing the person who gets the vaccine, who gets the virus itself, have a lot of myocarditis. The people getting the vaccine are getting a lot of deep, profound myocarditis. Troponin levels, I'll just name them, uh, up into the 30s and 40s. And normally from a heart attack, it might be one or two or something like that. Yeah, thanks. Dr. McCullough's shaking his head. I wanted to make sure he was. So that, that basically one of the things, it's very important to us to know that. These are profound injuries. Um, here's some numbers, um, six times more, 95% hospitalization rate. There's some thoughts that this is uh, 397 cases, that, that, um, that, that um, they try to underplay this in the, in, the, in the media in a big way. This is a really serious disease, and these kids have potentially shortened lifespan. I mean, this is unconscionable. They are going to be more injured by the statistics we already know ahead of time it's going to injure more kids than it could save. We already know. The data's right there in front of us. We don't have to let our kids go through this. And so that's why I urge you, we've got to go by good quality data, and we've got to stand up. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. It's going to be up to you to stop them. Um, again, we've talked about how it can affect the ad ad adaptive and innate immune responses, and that's basically one of the things you heard Dr. Cole talk about and Dr. McCullough. The spike protein is the pathogen. It causes all the damage. And if you, if you see what's happening, as the vaccination go, rates go up, I'll, I'll run through these. You can just look at these. Look what happens to the, to the caseloads as the vaccination goes up, just skyrocketing all over the world. These are all recent, recent things that are going on all over the world, Vermont, Michigan. The cases are going up as the vaccination rates go up. Um, so as we talked about transmission, there's no way that they can deny this. The studies are in. It doesn't stop transmission, and in fact, in some studies, the viral loads are higher in the vaccinated. Um, here we're starting to see, here's another thing you start, start looking for, which you may not find, all-cause mortality. All-cause mortality. At the end of the day, right, it's all-cause mortality. More and more people are dying. Our rates of all-cause mortality are going up this year. Does anybody think that's an accident? So you saw this data, 18,000, almost 19,000. You see all the, the deaths on the right. It dwarfs all the other years. Um, most of them are in that first week. So if it, were, if it were happenstance, that chart would look very even. If, it, if the spike had nothing to do with it, it would just look even. 13 times, well, I'm almost done. 13 times increased risk for infection uh, if you had covid already, you're, you're at much lower risk for getting the disease again. SARS-CoV-1 patients are still immune to SARS-CoV-2. Did everybody know that? How long and broad is that and durable is that immunity? Pretty darn good, right? It's only 78% similar. So you are protected likely for a very, very long time. They're going to need, let me say all the people who, had, who already had this, they're going to need a new bioweapon for you guys. So... 
All right, and then, uh, so these are the studies that basically corroborate that. This is the FOIA letter that says that they have no record of any person who has the disease already transmitting it to another person. So, and then children have already had the vaccine. Now, here's the thing. When I say they're coming, they're coming, all right? They're coming. In France, they just outlawed homeschooling, right? So, and that's already done in Germany about a year ago. They're going to do it here. They want to indoctrinate your children. They want your children. They want your children. So action plan, are we going to let them have our children? No. No. All right. Stand up to them, okay? Stand up. It's Texas. We can beat them. And I thank you for letting me talk so long. Thank you very much.